and the last hour. Is it worth talking about it? Depress people even more? Well, I'm quite happy. No in-laws again. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sound I mean, like uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's our opening line, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Beth, Beth's mother-in-law came in today, so she, she got a bit of a you know, taste before lockdown, so... Welcome back to the Five Guys podcast with me, your host, Eddie Walker, along with my friends and co-hosts, Namir, Steve-O, William and Jerome. On today's episode, we're interviewing an old buddy of ours, Mr. Luke Armitage. Luke is the current Vice President for Global Marketing at Astralworks, the number one record label in the US for dance and electronic music. Luke's been fortunate enough to work with bands and acts like the Chemical Brothers, Jonas Blue and Fisher. Today promises to be a fantastic episode. We hope you enjoy. So welcome, gentlemen, to episode four of the Five Guys podcast uh, with our special guest, Luke Armitage, all the way from LA. So welcome, Luke. Welcome to the team. I think you know, know us by name anyway. Um, so yeah, you've got Jerome up in the top corner who's, well, he can tell he's met police officer. Um, yeah, at some point during today, has to do his special statement. If we ask, yes, him I do. Yeah, because the bear keeps asking me questions. And... <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you, can, you can tell us about your New Year's Eve shenanigans and the machete building crazies you came across. Yeah, enjoys. Um, Namir doesn't really do anything. I do a lot. What? Uh, <laughs> Loses at tennis tie breaks. Yeah. yeah. And then breaks the law and tries. If he to... tells you, I have to kill you. Yeah. Steve-O works in water. <laughs> Interesting. I uh, do. I do. <laughs> yeah. Heard about Will working in uh, leisure as well. I do a little bit, but mainly in higher education. I'm just, I'm just joining to hear what Jerome has to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, that's I think, a I think your job start, is much more interesting than mine, Luke. Much more. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're, you're in the thick of it right now. Go on, Jerome. Lay it out on the table. What happened? Oh, the joys of New Year's Eve, mate. New Year's Eve. House parties. People illegally having house parties. Um, we went into a house party because we had grounds to because um, someone was screaming and we were met with um, lovely gentlemen wielding machetes. So, Did you say swimming or screaming? Screaming, screaming. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> wielding machetes. So, thankfully, there was a, quite a lot of us there with taser. So, we drew our tasers, they ran away, and then we had to. There was about 200 people in this flat, to be fair, up and down stairs. So, we then had to, what we call like, dig them out, bring them in, bring them out individually. And then once they got outside, search them. But, um, what we didn't realise is that we couldn't get to the back garden because it was in the middle of a terrace. <clears throat> what we realised is that about 50 people did garden hopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found the machetes in the end, so that was good. And uh, did you find them all? Find the people? Yeah. No. Because as soon as we put the door in, they went down, well, with the machetes, down into the basement. And there was yeah. loads of yeah. screaming. And then you, you can't really pick a lot them out of 200 people so I think it's changed 
have, have things changed since I've moved from the UK? Like, do people go to parties with machetes now? Because I used it would to take appear so. It's, it's the new fashion thing to do. Okay, yeah. so. it, it was WKD Blue. The natural step, isn't it, from WKD Blue to a machete? Yes. <laughs> In America, what they do, they go to parties with guns, right? Mm. Some people do. Some people do. Yeah, Depending on the laws. Uh, okay. <laughs> Depending what are the, on the, the, state, laws the, the state laws, yeah. Mm, the states, yeah. What are the gun laws like in LA? Is it more strict there or is it more Texas where you can just sort of walk around and do what I you don't like? No, I don't actually know what, because uh, I don't own one. I have Ooh. no interest in owning one. So I don't, um, I don't really keep up. I know that obviously with the second amendment to the constitution, everyone is allowed to have one, but whether in the city of LA or county of LA or, or even the state of California, you can freely carry one just going into a grocery store or if you have to have it locked up or if you can keep it in your home or what. I know you can go to Walmart and you can buy one. I know that, <laughs> but aside from that, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I know there are obviously some states are a little bit more um, uh, liberal about their gun laws than others. Yeah, I remember going to, when me and Steve were in America, what, 11 years ago, I was going to Walmart and like, oh, I could get my tires fixed. Oh, I can buy a gun at the same time. And then there yeah. was at the back of the shop. Yeah. Which, well, the tasers we carry at work, uh, in Walmart, you can buy a twelve-year-old can buy them in America. So uh, just to put it out there for you, right next to the sweet aisle. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> it doesn't show what kind of level of trust you're given in the Met, does it? Really? I know. No, and that's giving you something twelve-year-old. It's not give you yeah, a real. It's, it's the quote of literally a twelve-year-old could do this. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> it's it's such a different, you know. I, over the last few months, you know, I think. Sometimes we think that our British political system looks a bit screwed and stuff, but then sometimes look at America and you're like, wow, it's going, what's it like? You know, so you live in, you know, that sort of area. What's it, you know, is it as, do we only see what the media want us to see in terms of what Trump Trump's like and Biden? Is it, do you get much exposure to it or is it just? Yeah, yeah but you live in a, you live in such a echo chamber in, Los Angeles anyway um, and I think you know part of the problem of just politics in general in 2020 with the vast improvement and um, you know uh, disparity of, of technology is that everyone does live in an echo chamber whichever way whichever whichever point on the spectrum that they um, they sit you know if you are you know, type A and you only have type A friends and you consume what that media is giving you on whatever social network is, you know, the algorithms on these social networks just keep feeding you what you're consuming. So of course, you're, it's a funnel, you're just getting narrower and narrower views. And the same thing can be said for type B people, which is why I feel here, there's such a massive divide Whereas if it doesn't feel like that in the, well, at least when I was living, I didn't feel like that in the UK. I felt like it was still quite centered. And even when you look at like policies and political views, it feels like conservative parties like center right and 
Labour Party centre-left and here you feel like the Democrat Party is like far left and the Republican Party is far right and there is no kind of middle ground, which is probably why Joe Biden won because he's he's seen, you know, he's an <clears throat> and it feels like he was a conservative person going for the Democrat Party. So that's probably why people voted for him. I can't vote anyway, so it's all... <laughs> <laughs> Can you not vote? Are you not a citizen? No. No. Oh, sure. so, Why did your yeah. household and uh, family vote? Sorry? Your your family, your 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 family you married into, do we know mm -hmm. what they voted or is it the hush hush? Don't know. Like I, I think everyone is still um, as respectful as they are in the UK when people oh, they don't people just don't talk about I mean some people do. I mean you see it all over the news, people are really on hope either way but um i think the, the one thing that i've taken from living here just in an observation is that the u.s is it shouldn't really be can, counted as one country it's the same as just looking at the whole of europe and thinking that the whole of the eu is one country because it's essentially 50 different states or countries essentially doing what they want with one person kind of giving a few federal laws and being almost a spokesperson to the rest of the world. But California is completely different to Arizona, <clears throat> completely different to Texas, completely different to Florida, completely different to Massachusetts. And they all are allowed in some way, shape or form to self-govern as well. So it's, it's hard, especially when it's like COVID and even before that, it's hard to kind of, uh, federalize something like a lockdown, a nationwide lockdown, isn't gonna happen in the US because you have 50 different people arguing over each other. Whereas it feels, I know the UK is much smaller, but, and it's an island, but at least it's under one kind of common law. And if your queen or your prime minister says something, then it's probably gonna happen. Uh, whereas here they're like, okay, cool. Thanks for the advice. We're gonna do what we want. Right, so let's get on to, I've actually prepared proper notes for this. So rather than being in a notebook, I've actually got them on a document on a different screen, trying to pretend that I know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, obviously we know, we've put a little bit out on social media about, we know you work for Astral Works and it's a record label, from what, as far as I know is your background. But where did you sort of start off in your career and sort of what's led you to where you are now? By honestly by a bunch of mistakes well not mistakes i think that's like loose way of putting it but i guess no, it was never like a plan i never had like a five-year plan of doing this to move to this to move to this to move to this the mayor can attest to the fact that when i met him i probably wanted to still be a pilot um which is what my dad did so i was doing my a levels to do that um and you know, maths and physics weren't necessarily my strongest grades. So I kind of ditched that idea, wanted to do something um, in music, but it was more music production, the sound design aspects. I was wanting to do that like film and TV, you know, fully like how to crumple paper and make it sound like footsteps and, and the science behind that. Um, and uh, I just, I didn't like the course I was going to. I think it was the one in Surrey, the, the course there. Um, so I took a year out, 
evaluated what I wanted to do, went to Hertfordshire Uni in the end to do a similar course. Um, I did one class uh, in the opening week and I was like, this isn't for me actually. At the same time, they were launching a, a music business course, which was, I think was the first one in the country. And I begged and pleaded and I was like, I, I really want to get on this course. Can can you let me on? They let me on. And I just committed for the next three years to uh, eat an incredible amount of pizza, drink an incredible amount of beer, but also like study so hard because it wasn't something that was natural to me, but it came naturally um, in the end. And then I, I got, uh, I came second in like a, a scholarship competition thing um, where the, the winner would um, would get an internship at Sony ATV or Universal at the time. And I interviewed anyway for Universal and they just took me on as an intern anyway for their publishing company. So I, I interned there um, and then I moved over to be like an official intern, which means actually getting paid um, to the record company in 2008 whilst I was still in uni. Um, and then I worked there for a couple of years, got made redundant just through relationships. I went to work at this place called Metropolis, which is a studio in Chiswick um, and got the freedom to basically do what I wanted or, or figure out what I wanted to do with that job. Um, and I you know, did some crazy things. We made some TV shows. We made two record labels out of the studio and I ran those as a 24 year old, not actually knowing kind of what I'm doing, but uh, figuring out as I went along and, and having that trust from your boss to do that, it made me learn so much. Also made me learn what not to do in the future, um, made a lot of mistakes. Um, and then I'm sure um, everyone knows from this group, on the day that Namir got married and I was his best man, I was actually leading a campaign for a charity single in the UK um for all of the Hillsborough disaster families um and that went number one the day that Namir got married so that was potentially the most stressful day of my life because I was doing up until my wedding day uh because I was trying to deliver a, a UK number one and also give a best man speech um, I think you more time on the best man speech you know that Oh, thanks very much. Your, your your focus deviated a bit towards talking to Radio One rather than uh, you know, being best. Well, that that came after the speech, so I I, I timed it well. But uh, <laughs> and also I planned that speech about six months in advance as well. And I did extensive research with all your family of just all the stories to not say. Thanks. Um, you have to take much out of the best man speech. Uh, yeah, I kind of. I had to, um, yeah, I, had to, I had I had to like talk it through with myself multiple times and go, would would Namir's dad laugh? Yes. Would Namir's mum laugh? Maybe not. Take it out. And then I was just kind of going through that. Would they both laugh at this? Would they? Um, so my best man had to do exactly the same. He had to take it loads, and he ended up being about five minutes long. <laughs> but those are the best ones though just short and snappy because no one wants to hear someone for like 45 minutes so um so yeah so I, I i did that um and then through that i met um someone who was looking for uh their right hand man back at universal to do to run 
marketing for all the dance music electronically. Um, sorry, all the dance music internationally, dance and electronic music. And I had no idea what I, like anything really about dance and electronic music. And and that guy said, look, you've been doing pop music for so long. It's essentially the same thing. Just apply the principles. It's not like you're selling a can of baked beans, but once you understand and you just immerse yourself in the genre, you'll you'll be fine. So I took the job, um, did that for four years, um, worked with people from like Jonas Blue to Tiesto to Alesso, Swedish House Mafia. Um, and that was really when dance music was globally huge, um, you know, 2014 to 2018. Um, and then from that, uh, I, I jumped ship, got offered a place um, at Astroworks, which is all still part of Universal, um, but just part of Capitol Records, and moved over here in summer 2018, like the week or two weeks after I got married. So I got married, took a one-week honeymoon, and then moved over to, to LA all in the space of two weeks, and then been here ever since, uh, running their marketing department and looking after all of their music uh, globally. It's quite some career up to now, because you're quite an accomplished musician yourself, aren't you? In your own right, as a... Um, I, I play, I play. I, <laughs> I, I should play more, I should yeah. play more. But, I, mean, the, uh, I mean, you did, um, you did a, a song at Namir's wedding, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Sing, didn't you? I did. You made a mix of, uh, you, you, you did our wedding song, but you just gave your own twist to Lana Ritchie, didn't you? You yeah. don't make, you got to remember, man. No, I can remember the line of Richie, but what was the twist? You made it your own. You kind of, I don't know, you came, turned it acoustic. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I was incredibly nervous and stressed on that day. So <laughs> and I think by that point, I think as soon as I did the speech, there was a plenty full of tequila that was consumed. So I think a lot of that is uh, far distant memory. Is that what happened? Was it tequila because of what happened after the lights went out? Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the the lights definitely went out. Uh, Morning. Should we talk about that? Because if we have a policeman here, it might be interesting, you know, talk about what happened that night. Nah. No. no, okay, fair enough. Probably nah. best. <laughs> uh, uh, that tequila came back up. Let's just say that. Right, that tequila resurfaced. Uh, yeah, from chatting with the mayor, um, yes, the other day before, part of your... Uh, job involves a lot of travel and what some might see is a bit of a jet left jet 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 lifestyle yeah got there eventually <laughs> what would you say is a common myth about your profession or your lifestyle that you would want to correct or actually you know you might see this from a whether it's from a social media point of view or something but actually the reality is is somewhat different that anyone in the music industry a either wears a suit or b um, just goes to Hollywood Hills parties and drinks champagne and does a load of drugs uh, all on company expenses. Aside from that, there's a lot. No, uh, I mean that is the common mis um, misconception about everything, and I think you know elements of people do that at times. Um, you know, there are big lavish parties around the Grammys or the Brits sort of things. You know, they happen once a year. It's not a weekly basis. Um, and my job before I came over to LA, when I was traveling around a lot, I would spend the majority of my time um, taking 
two of those travel sickness tablets because I can't read in a car at the same time in the back of a Mercedes Viano with an artist trying to do a bunch of spreadsheets and emails on my phone whilst trying to get an artist to speak to some German radio station when they've had two hours sleep and they're really grumpy and then we're about to go and do a performance at some stadium which isn't paid because you have to do that to get on the radio station in that country and it's it's a lot of what is well especially what I was doing in terms of international marketing it was a lot of um, knowledge local knowledge and cultural knowledge in different countries um, how to behave how to act in certain places like don't go to Singapore and chew gum because you'll get arrested it's things like that um you know be being aware of how the different medias works in different countries um it's being sensitive to local languages as well because i think there is a a certain stigma of being a brit in different countries of everyone can speak English supposedly and if you talk slower and louder they will understand you but try doing Not that in the of, yeah try try doing that in the middle of Jakarta uh, when you're trying to get a police escort because there are men with machetes chasing after you in uh, in uh, on, on motorbikes and you're trying to get out of a venue you're like I, I, I need someone that can you know speak so there's to me the biggest um, plus of doing just my job over the past few years has been a traveling and seeing the places but also just deeply learning about the places you're going to beforehand and doing some research because when you actually go to these places you don't have time off necessarily to go and explore it so you have to research and if you have you know two hours or so free to do something you have to know what you're doing or sometimes those two hours you can sleep that's the second time. <laughs> you've named some pretty big artists that you've worked with and acts and that sort of thing. What's your biggest cock up that you've made and been like, oh my God, I can't believe I've done that? What is my biggest cock up? Obviously, a few. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done loads. So, I think of what is the biggest one. Um, or one that haunts you? I mean, doing a reply to all when you have someone on copy when they shouldn't be. And you don't, you're not bad mouthing them, but you're just saying something that they shouldn't see. Um, I've done that twice. Uh, I've done that with a manager. I've done that with just other people in departments. Um, that you know, I, you learn early on in your career not to do that again. Um, what is the biggest cock up? I, mean, I think I think something like that. I mean, I once, <laughs> I once booked Peter, like an artist. I, this was really early on. I once booked an artist. I think like first class flights, or I booked them economy flights when they were supposed to be the other way around, or so. And my CFO at the time like chewed me out for a long time. Um, what was actually actually this is probably the biggest cock up, but also the greatest thing that, <laughs> that happened was 
in my early 20s, I, you know, liked to go out like any other young man would in London and stay up all night going to clubs with friends. And uh, I think one particular occasion, I was still feeling the effects of the alcohol and I went into work straight away and not realizing or knowing that my big, big boss was in at the time and wanted to have, wanted me to deliver a presentation for something, not knowing, just on the whim. And I was, I think I was still an intern or I was very junior at the, at the time. And I just had to stomach it and do it. And he said, oh, that, that was like the best presentation that anyone did, well done. And he was giving me all this extra praise. 10 years later, I found out that he knew he could smell it, that I was still hung over or drunk. He was just trying to make me sweat so much um, for the fact that he was like, oh, that was amazing. We should get this like to the even bigger boss. You should you know, deliver that to him today, maybe, and do this just to make me sweat and, and regret what I just did. Um, <laughs> didn't do that again. <laughs> I've had a couple of questions come in from... Um through Instagram, so we'll move on to those in a minute. Luke, who are you working with at the moment? Any any big actors at the moment which we know of? Um, as, as in right now? Yeah. Um, who are we working with? Uh, Alessio, um, we're working with right now. Um, one of my favorite acts who, are, I, I guess they're quite, they've always been pretty popular in, in the UK. I mean, that's how I found them. They're an Australian band called The Avalanches. We just released their album. Um, there's an artist called, a new artist called Surf Messer that had um, a pretty big hit this year. It was his first record called ILY, which was a cover of um, I Love You Baby. So that was on the radio all the time. So we've, we're working with him for some new music. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the moment, what we've done in terms of redevelop our roster is we've completely kind of done a 180 of all the artists that we had. We've just signed a bunch of new artists and trying to develop those because um, a lot of the older artists are just not in cycling, releasing anything. And then, you know, once or twice a year, we'll get a marshmallow record that we can work. And that's always fun. Um, yeah. In terms of existing artists, is it? Do you have to be quite cutthroat with them? So if they're not if they're not producing new music, then is there more like a way you, you know you need to produce music or you're off the label, or is it a little bit more relaxed? Yeah. No, it, I mean it's um, if they're not producing music, then you have to, and they're still in contract. Then you have to think of ways of you know how are they still contributing to the culture of the label, and that's normally through catalog. So you know, if you look at someone like Fatboy Slim, oh. we have all of his catalogue, you know, from the 90s and all, all the skint stuff, but he's not making new music right now. So you're never going to drop someone like that. You know, they might be out of contract, but it's, it's more about, well, we have all of this gold here. How do we, you know, revitalize it? Do we do campaigns in it? Is it something that the sync team can get into an advert or a film or mm. it's just... It, essentially with cat and I started in the catalog division when I was an intern, you know, over 10 years ago, and it was a blank piece of paper and it was literally, how do you make money out of an existing catalog 
when there is no plan right now. You have to create your own campaigns out of this. And that was, again, a, a massive lesson for me because it was how to be creative when you have an inactive artist, but you still need them to contribute to the company. Um, so that that's a big one. Um, but yeah, you, you would never would never force someone to make music because it is it's a creative art form, and honestly, you can tell when an artist is being forced to do something because it's usually not very good. Um, you know, the best music comes out of whatever they're feeling, and that's across any genre. Obviously, some of the artists um, can be uh, challenging or controversial in you know perhaps their behavior or their public persona or go out to a, a big party and they do something or that creates um a bit of scandal that sort of thing is that something that would as a vp of global marketing that you know if you have one of your big artists um i don't know does something gets arrested or, or whatever is that something that you would be like um that you would have to deal with and is there anyone that's particularly challenging to sort of do you ever sort of worry when something things up in like a news feed or something or in a paper and you're like, oh, what have they done now? That sort of thing. Um, I'm lucky that I've never, uh, I've, I've had maybe one or one or two instances like that. But for the most part, I'm lucky that I haven't had to experience that. Um, but Ooh. on the occasions that you do or just generally, um, that's what the artist managers are there for. They're there to manage the artist. We are just, as a record label, looking after the recorded music of, of those artists. So the day-to-day -day kind of um, public relations and public perception of the artist is something that we don't exactly get involved with unless it's pertaining to a campaign of theirs. But you always have to think about how is this going to affect the campaign? So if you have an artist that, you know, does get arrested or, you know, uh, I'm thinking about the time when, you know, that big, um, the Chris Brown Rihanna thing, it's like, okay, well now his label uh, has to be uh, mindful of the fact that you're going to A, lose a, a huge amount of your original fan base because of that, but also opportunities for mainstream media, you know, are going to dry up because I don't think TV would be wanting to endorse someone that's been arrested for you know whatever he was alleged to do so when those instances occur you have to be mindful and think more about the fallout of how is it's going to affect your campaign but i think first and foremost you've got to every situation is different and you've got to figure out is someone actually you know on a human level taking more of a hit than you would do on a business level um, because on those occasions if someone gets arrested then something would have to, <laughs> had to have been wrong and uh, your bottom line isn't as worth as someone's health or safety you know Will have you got your special question for Luke <laughs> I was thinking of a different one I was thinking of changing it up but uh, oh. I, I couldn't, I couldn't oh. think of one oh. there's a lot yeah. it's, it is a big category you, you have to choose from well yeah I'm, I'm, I'm also i'm also thinking whether or not to yeah let's just go with the same one and i can reintroduce <laughs> introduce some different ones lou i've got a very very interesting question is it fifa um, versus pro evo because i'll always choose pro evo 
Oh, that that Ooh, in that itself is, that's is, controversial. That is. is a bold statement. Can can I have your rationale, please? Uh, better gameplay. Well, okay. <laughs> Always was better gameplay post ninety nine two thousand up until 2016, 2017, where I feel like FIFA actually caught up to it. But I just had 16 years of just being a pro Evo nerd. So I just never made the switch. But if I can, if I'm allowed to order a PS5, because globally there's none available. If I can get my hands on one, then I'll, I'll buy FIFA. And then I'll challenge you to a game and then see if it's actually good. That's absolutely fine. I... I used to be Pro Evo back in the day. I think I moved over to FIFA for 2011. So all the time when I was living at home, it was Pro Evo with my brothers to a point where I still play FIFA with the Pro Evo controls because they're yeah, slightly well, different. Slightly, yeah. Um, like and, as square. Yeah, and I literally can't do anything else. Um, but but my, my actual question was, uh, <laughs> so in, in the Disney film Moana, was, was Maui... Um, right to take the, the heart of Tafiti. Well, I think you have to um, you have to ask yourself, was it actually the heart of Tafiti? You know, Interesting. Yeah, you, you have to realize, you know, are we being fed a reality or is it a simulation of so? So once or... you kind of work out those answers then we can present kind of new information to then go back to that original oh, question. Man. You didn't expect that, did you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've stopped it now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that response is, is, is a, a very diplomatic response. Um, I can certainly tell that you have had a career in marketing <laughs> and um, I value your feedback very much and I'll take it back to to the uh, the bosses of my family, which are my four and my one year old, and and give them your feedback. Thank You're you welcome. so much. <laughs> You're welcome, as as uh, the rock would say. A lot deeper, a lot quicker than what I thought it would. So uh... <laughs> almost, to, almost to a point where it's gone dark, and I quite like that. It's quite, it's, it's quite a turn on for me. Hey, one of the questions that came in from instagram so this was from a friend of mine i used to play in a band with him 20 years ago uh he's actually had um i think they've released an album so he's actually doing fairly well um but his question was can you see a way forward with streaming and do you think musicians will ever make a living from recorded music again yes and, and they do um it's just a volume game now so um you know the way that we should look at streaming is the fact that one stream does not equal one album sale when you buy a record you don't listen to a record once and then discard it i mean i have on some pretty bad ones but you on the most part you don't do that you listen to it time and time again you know i i find myself in the same listening habits of listening to albums songs you know, tens of thousands of times over uh, an extended period. Uh, it's just that when you buy an album, when you used to just go into our price and buy an album for £10, that was the only money that the artists would get. The record company, everyone in the supply chain would only get that one purchase, would not account for any of the thousands of listens that you would have afterwards. Now, 
you just don't have that initial purchase, but you're being accounted for for all of those plays. So if you have a song which or an album which is exceptionally popular, you're making as much, if not more, money than you would do if you just had that initial purchase point. So I find that streaming is much more beneficial to artists, but, and I I caveat that with anything like new technologies, um, the barrier to entry now has become much, much lower for artists. So, you know, I don't know where this podcast is going up, but it's probably going up on Spotify. And the fact that you can just upload anything through a distributor to there without any ease just means that there's so much con- there's so much content out there. A discovery is so much harder than before. It's not back in the '90s where you'd play a gig at the Bull and Gate in Kentish Town and get spotted and, and get a, a record deal from that. You need to have a song that's having millions of streams or have something trending on TikTok, and then you'll get some traction from that as just two examples um so there are so many well-deserving artists that are releasing music good music that sometimes aren't seeing the light of day just because there's so much chatter and noise going out there and and those are the ones that are suffering with streaming is because you know the one percent essentially is getting the billions of streams and then there's 99 percent that's getting between 1000 and 10,000 streams per song but again, coming back to my original point, you look at the life of a song and before when it was you know, buying singles or buying albums, you'd have a week one, week two or so, and then it'd drop off a cliff. But after 10 years, you listen to the same song or people are listening to the same song, you're still getting paid 10 years afterwards. So I, um, I think it's, it's the most revolutionary thing that's happened to not just music, just entertainment, just the streaming model, especially for films and TV and the way we consume music because creators are getting paid after the fact years to come. And I think, I think that's shown, uh, I think that's shown a lot in, in Christmas songs. And you, you look at Mariah Carey got pipped to, or she got pipped to, to, to number one for Christmas, but wham have just got to number one with last Christmas they released their out their uh, last christmas 36 years ago and it's yeah. just now got to uk number one um yeah and it's things like that that just show that there is such a shift yet there is still that demand for people to listen to those iconic songs um and stream those iconic songs because obviously stream music um the official charts company look um incorporate stream music into the into the charts mm-hmm. it, it's it's crazy and and it's actually wonderful to see that these old bands that we know and used to love when we were younger are still there and still so accessible by so many people and so such a younger audience and a wider audience i think that's a great point as well as the fact that um discovery for catalog is incredible for a new and it just the artist lives on through generations a through algorithmic, no, um, you're recommended this artist, like this artist, like this artist. But the fact that a, you know, a 14 year old who's never heard of Prince can within three probably clicks of Drake can get to Prince 
is phenomenal and that can consume the same music that their uncle, grandparents, parents can, can um, you know, and have that connection with them. Also, the fact that just during the past year, I found, you know, my own listening habits, but also, you know, studying other people as well. This past year, people have been consuming more catalogue music than new music because, because of everything going on. They want a bit of comfort. So you have artists, you know, like seasonally Wham or The Pose is always one or Mariah Carey around Christmas. But just throughout the whole of 2020, you had uh, massive upstreams of people, maybe like Guns N' Roses or Metallica or people like that, because people just want some comfort when everything else was going to crap. They, they wanted to just listen to the stuff that, that made them feel good. And coming back to Ed's original point, those artists are now getting a, you know, a massive injection of revenue from people coming back to listen to them, which is great. Especially post, live music. Post, Postman Pat special delivery service. And <laughs> Bing, Bing Bong Zoo, Peppa Pig, man. They are getting some serious plays in Billings Us. I mean, Pe- Peppa Pig, I'm more of a Peppa Pig fan than I am Postman uh, Pat. I felt Postman Pat, you know, his, his second album was just not very good. Pe- Peppa has just... Peppa's got branding as well. I mean, look, you, you, Peppa has... Uh, a very tumultuous relationship with Marks and Spencer's Percy Pigs, but just, you know, the consumer thought, you're just like, okay, one or the other, you know, they're both pink. So when you see something pink, you just like instantly Peppa Pig. Uh, Peppa Pig's got it down. I think Postman Patch, just, uh, I mean, I'm a few years out of Postman Pat now, but when we started watching it, he's got a bloody aircraft and a helicopter and all, an 18 He's had to evolve, mate. He's had to evolve. It's the new days. You can't just yeah. drive a red van round with a cat. His red van <laughs> used to go everywhere, no matter what the weather, where he had to do something. That van was like a Range Rover. He didn't need. So, so, so my my two year old, two two years, three months. She has two phrases, sentences. One of them is "Daddy play uh, Postman Pat Hoopty Doos," which is one of the uh, version of Postman Pat songs. And the other one is Daddy Mummy song, Hot Tits. So, yeah, like you say, you know, these streaming services, you know, like young people, you said, Luke, about the um, 12 year old who'll end up like on Prince or something with Drake. My daughter's going to find some real crazy things on Google Home Hub. Uh, <laughs> especially if she keeps saying that phrase, yeah. <laughs> That's one way to cover up your internet search history. Yeah. Namir, I think we need a rendition from you of Postman Pat's, what was it, Hoopty Doo? Hoopty Doo. Yeah, I think you need to give I'll, us a little sing song. Rosa, if you want, she does it much better than me, I can assure you. And she does. The fingers to the Arabic music, which Luke knows, which is Ahmadiyab, a very famous Egyptian man. And uh, she just goes clicking, play daddy song, play daddy song. And we just play Arabic music together. She's a real uh, foreign child, I have. It's very nice. He's like the Egyptian Robbie Williams. How what? Ahmadiyab, not, not the mere. <laughs> He's a very famous Ahmadiyab, and I'm hoping we'll get some sort of um, connection with him in, in this in the future time. Amma, 
if you're listening, Habibi, please come. Let's let's have a let's get you on the podcast. You know, so it'll be good. You do it. I think you can do it. Yeah. Luke, have uh, you got any people you can get us on the podcast in future weeks? Yeah. Fisher looks like a laugh. Instagram. Fisher. Fisher's hilarious. Um, yeah, he's a good guy. Um, Australian, isn't he? Very Australian. Yeah, very Australian. Very Australian. Well, you know, trying to sell uh, sell it to the UK, it was like, well, just think of like every guy in Clapham High Street, kind of like an, a non-offensive dapper laughs. Um, what happened to yeah. dapper laughs, by the way? He had a bit of a um, something went wrong, didn't it? And he got in a load of trouble, and then he went to ground for a while, and then I think he came back briefly. Because he was a, he did a little bit on TV, but then it was very quite small, and then that was, I can't remember what he got in trouble for now. I mean, his his humour was very on the nose, so I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, I don't remember. I remember him getting into trouble, but not what happened to him after that. His career is probably done now. Last question from me is, if you and me could trade places at the moment, Luke, in this podcast. What question would you have asked that I didn't? Um, interesting. Do you like living in LA? It's, is it's, it as glamorous as we all think it is? It's no. a loaded question now. Yeah, I oh, know. It's just like, it's, it's like, I guess, like the first question, or one of the first questions you asked about, yeah, what's a popular misconception about working in the music industry? It's the same thing about living in LA. It's it's not what everyone thinks which is a good thing as well but it's also every stereotype that everyone thinks of at the same time um and it's quite exhausting it's like don't get me wrong it's probably the most wonderful geography wise place i, I will ever live um you know we were at the beach on thursday and then on Friday, we were in snow and both were half an hour away from where I live. So, and you get that kind of like Mediterranean climate of 25 degrees every day. And it's great. But um, you just don't get like the same culture as the UK. Like you don't go out to the pub because there is no pub. Obviously not right now, but in normal times, you don't just kind of go out and socialize just because you can it's everything has an agenda and the first two years of living here it gets you down definitely because you're like you're comparing it always to london or where you came from um and that things aren't operating in the same way and then afterwards after two years you, you just reside to the fact that it's different and that's okay but i think everyone has a perception or an expectation of what LA will bring to them. And I think, you know, 99% of people are disappointed when they get here because it's just another city. Um, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's a very hard city to be yourself, I think is, is a good way of putting it. What's um, is sport big in LA? You've got LA Lakers, basketball? Yeah, sports sports huge here, especially right now where it's the it's the biggest year for the city. Well, last year was the biggest year for the city in like thirty years, where the Dodgers won the World Series. 
it's not the World Series, they just won it in America, but, you know, baseball. Um, and the Lakers won uh, the, the, the championship as well. And last time they both won, I think mm. it was like 33, 34 years ago. Um, but they have um, the Rams. The Kings well. are terrible, though. Kings are pretty bad. I've, I've gone and seen them play a couple of times, expecting like full-on Mighty Ducks fights to happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that that was they're they're not great in my opinion. Um, the uh, the Rams, the American football team that just came back, when they come back like 2016, 2017, they're great. They were in the Super Bowl th- two years ago or so. Last year, I think. So last last season they were in the Super Bowl. The year before that, season before last, because I was I was actually in London for that super yeah. bowl they the rams have literally rebuilt their franchise from scratch and put a lot of faith into young coaches and it's finally paying off it's you yeah. know they're and they're, they obviously last night they won last night and have secured a playoff place as well yeah um so they're doing really well i mean their coach is what two years older than me it's depressing yeah yeah it's yeah horrible um well same thing with the lakers i mean luke watson was 35 i think he now manages sacramento kings but still yeah they're they're very young and they've just got a new stadium by um the, the rams just got a new ground by the forum which is insane mm. um so yeah so they got those and then they got the two football proper football teams as well uh they got um the galaxy the galaxy who i don't follow because even though i'm a massive david beckham fan when i was growing up Galaxy was just a little bit, uh, um, and then the LAFC team, which is my team here, um, which kind of shows. I don't know if you guys all like football, but it shows the quality of the MLS in a weird way. Where Carlos Vela, when he was playing for Arsenal, couldn't get into the Arsenal first team, and he's like MVP three years in a row, top goal scorer in the whole league. Um, but he's been the savior of, of LAFC through the playoffs as well. And um, they just got um, uh, Wright Phillips as well. Which one, Bradley or Sean? Uh, Bradley. Oh. Wasn't he at um, New York? He was yeah, at Red, Bull. Red, Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Red Bulls, yeah. Red Bulls yeah. but again, he, he's been like fantastic this season as well. And I was thinking, okay, this, this wasn't the case when he was over in England. Um, but it's fantastic. You know, Fantastic for the Red Bulls, though, wasn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah. Wasn't he like top goal scorer in the MLS a few years ago? Mm. Yeah, he was. Uh, when he was at New York. Yeah, uh, like, the replacement he held, like Thierry Henry or something. Yeah, he 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 held his place off yeah. of Henry for a while, for mm. quite a while, because he was playing so well. Mm. Um, I'm I'm happy that foot like soccer football is um, is becoming more and more of the thing here. Um, the fact that, you know, Beckham's got his new team into Miami. Nashville's now got a team. Um, Do you support Arsenal, Luke? No, Man United. You used to be an Arsenal man. I was always Man U. Yeah, always. I thought you were an Arsenal man. I was just going to slag you off, but anyway. Okay. So no. Nothing wrong with being an Arsenal supporter. That's fine. Oh, there is, mate. There is. Sorry. Three in a row now. Three in a row. I, don't mind, I don't mind talking about Arsenal this week. <laughs> yeah. Should we not do that? Should we, uh, should we move on? Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, Luke. Yeah. So a preconception of every English person is you go to America 
and all the American women love the English accent. As someone that has is now living over there, what what are your experiences of that? And is it true? And if so, should we all ditch everyone and come over to America? Well, my wife is American, so um, they have exceptional hearing. Um, so I, I have people <laughs> in the house. So no, that is not all true. Uh, no, it's. I mean, it speaks for itself. I married an American girl. Um, it's. It's uh, when you're in LA it makes no. LA and New York makes no difference because you hear an English accent every three steps, mm. especially where I live. Um, you know, Studio City and Santa Monica are two places where they're two a penny. Um, same thing with New York. If you are in the middle of Arkansas or Kansas or Nebraska and you have an English accent, uh, I'm, it's going to be like the scene in Love, actually. I'm pretty sure. The girl if, has- <laughs> they're like, oh, you're English. Oh, great. And, and that's it. <laughs> and move on. Easy as that. So you heard it here, folks. Heard it, heard it here first, folks. If, uh, I'm booking my ticket. You want to get yourself back? <laughs> middle America. <laughs> yeah, middle America. All you have to deal with is some tornadoes, and then and then you're fine. We need some um, dirt on Mr. Ramatala here. Have you got any stories or things that we might not have heard about yet? Um, it's. Oh, I mean, no. Go on. Try embarrass me. Do your worst, mate. Well, no, it's 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 not about embarrassment. It's more like embarrassing things for me. Because honestly, if if say okay, okay, before you say anything, there is a line, dude. <laughs> no, I, I think I was gonna, I was I was actually being gonna be very polite and say that um you know he's always been a second older brother for me and um a lot of experiences in the world have not been you know have to be attested to him. Uh, mainly my drinking habits. So there have been many an occasion where I was probably too young to drink and the mere was of age and he would coax me over and we would drink bottles of this horrible liqueur called Pessoa um, that we would would have many a Glenfiddich, um, many a beer and absinthe and different things. And I would find myself puking incredible amounts um in his dog was it your dog house or just a uh, guest would, uh, you definitely then flower beds that's for sure yeah, well, flower beds for sure but there was one occasion where i woke up um and it was next to billy your old labrador yeah, it was it was in the maid's quarters yeah yeah and um yeah <laughs> you you learn from those <laughs> It kind of sounds like he groomed you. So. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Luke was underage. Lemire got him drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he woke up in precarious like situations. Uh, uh, this is exactly the origin <laughs> of EastEnders right now. Anyone watching EastEnders? <laughs> this is it. Mick it was groomed by an older lady. And it's just, yeah, and Luke, you have said that completely wrong, I must say. The way <laughs> I just want to point out, okay, that this is a safe space and anyone, <laughs> if you need to tell us something, then, you know, we're a good bunch here. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been waiting years uh, the, to finally the sta- tell. <laughs> <laughs> the 
The statute um, of limitation will be gone by now. I'll yeah. tell, you, tell you one funny thing, though, um, which comes up time and time again. I think I mentioned it uh, when I was giving his best man speech anyway, but we, we went on holiday once to Portugal. And um, I think the situation was I was doing karaoke or doing something. And then some old lady came up to him asking if, she, if he was really proud of his son pointing to me thinking that and I was maybe 18 at the time the mayor was you know you're only three years older than me um he's 21 22 at the time and they thought that he was old enough to be my dad yeah now we had so you should come back to England and live full time okay it, uh, there, there have been many a good time many more to come but uh yeah it's when when I can safely travel or just legally travel. I don't think I can get back into the UK right now, can I? No. Probably not. I haven't got a clue. Yeah. But if if anyone um, can ship me out with some Lefroig, um, that would be great. Just because it's uh, like £25 a bottle in Sainsbury's and it's like $85 here. Because I was going to give it a but again, a, a, another thing that Namir taught me was Lafrique. If you if you want whiskey, make it make sure it tastes like bacon, which is good coming from a Muslim that doesn't eat bacon. <laughs> Haven't you got a confession to make, Namir? Yeah, come on. About uh, bacon. Yeah, like I'll uh, be very disappointed in you, young man. Well, I'm drinking whiskey now. That's a confession, right? <laughs> You're also putting out with that hairline. That should be a confession. Uh, terrible. The, yeah, I was going to have a haircut next week from my uh, this lady who comes to the house. So because of um, hairdressers and our bands coming to houses, aren't they after Boris to see? Yep. So I think I might be joining that with a little grade. Who knows? You know, we'll have to have, You know, I'll, sh I'll send you the after picture. Before and after, please. Basically, Mary's giving me a haircut, so the reality is, I have to shave my head. Steve-O, Steve we haven't seen your hair today. He's got a signature cap on, that's why. <laughs> it's, it's a mess. Colour coordinated as well. Luke, where's your bouffant, yeah. man? Because the bouffant last time I saw you on Facebook. I, I did. I, I grew my hair throughout 2020 and it right. was horrific. It was the worst. It was fun to do, but I also realised what an idiot I looked. So I cut it all off beforehand. The day actually that LA went into another lockdown um, and hairdressers were banned. So I quickly phoned up as quickly as I could to find anyone that was open so I could just get it cut off. So what does the lockdown in LA consist of? Like what can you not do? Like the headline things. You can go out or not? You're uh, restaurants and bars are are only for takeaway only. Yeah. Um, shops are at a limited capacity right now. I think like. But all are non non essential shops open, like sports shops and ammunition. I think, I think they still are, but at limited capacity. So like ten percent of the capacity can go in. That's like tier three um, to me. Uh, you shouldn't go out of your house unless you're going well at least before Christmas it was don't go out of your house um, unless you're playing golf because golf clubs are open unless you need to do Christmas shopping because shops were open um, or 
unless you're shooting a film or a music video or something like that, then you can do that. But who knows? Everything changes day by day and it feels like it's uh, as, what do you call it? Uh, uh, like the information is as patchy as it is in the UK and conflicting. It's like, don't go out, do go out, don't go to work, go to work, don't go on the tube, go on the tube, put your mask on, don't put your mask on. You should, you should just, you should keep uh, following Gavin's uh, page on Twitter. Your governor, yeah, Gavin, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, good lad. You should follow him. He'll, I've no doubt, he'll update his uh, Twitter all the time for you. So. I just got a notification saying Gavin Newsom is delivering some news right now. On, so. Who knows? It doesn't do it as well as Boris Johnson does it. Yeah, I think he was trying to like, yeah, copy like. Um, Churchill with his wartime speech. Who, Boris? He's got the inflection, yeah, doesn't he? He does. He's got like the dramatic um, tone. It's not good, your state, Luke. You have gone up, ICU up as 22% up in the last two weeks. Your cases have gone up to 30,000 per day just in California. Oof. Man, that's like the whole of England just in California. That's not good, man. Yeah. Well, you, you know what it is, though? It's because everyone says to wear masks and they don't actually do them. So know. it's seen as, you know, on media as California actually doing the right thing. And in the background, they're the ones that are having parties of 200 people over New Year's, probably with or without machetes, uh, in Jerome's case. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, completely oblivious to the fact that this is going on. And it's it's honestly, it's really frustrating um, because there's so many businesses that have lost so much money and people's livelihoods just because people aren't being considerate or sensible. Like it's, it's ridiculous for me. I, I can't understand where the common sense stops. Or starts. Yeah, yeah or starts. In the, living in America, um, have you had any interactions with the police over there? It much uh, like your UK Bobby or yeah, I, I, I've I've had one uh, incident where I got pulled over for something which wasn't my fault. So on the record, it was dismissed. I was fine. I was acquitted. <laughs> um, but just my interaction with with the police in the UK, you feel like you can actually have a conversation about it. You, they're still the police. They'll still like. But you can say hello, how are you? Sorry for whatever it is that you're doing. Here it is. It's like I don't know. It, to me, it felt like I was the dirt on someone's shoe when I was being spoken to, and it was all a bit dramatic. You know, obviously with guns and and different um, laws here, I guess police are a lot more scared of what someone could do so it was very much keep your hands on the wheel where i could see you don't move because you're you know when if you get pulled over in the uk you kind of get out and you go sorry about that. What, what can i do for you here it's like if you get out you're at risk of getting, getting shot or something so right. you have to so that's a, that's the thing even if you are completely innocent like in my case you look guilty because you're sweating going, 
am I doing this right? Like, what am I doing? Like, my hands here. Like, what? What's going on? It's uh, yeah. So everyone looks guilty. How do they pull you over? Do they go in front of you and then wave you down, or do they just fire at your tires? Uh, yeah, it was a bazooka. It was just yeah. you know one, one of the kind of the military grades. You know, you know the ones. You know, it's yeah, very it sounds- um no it was it was uh something so in america they have carpool lanes so if you have two or more people there's a special lane for you to go in just to keep flow of traffic um and going on to the motorway there was one um one lane for non-carpool one lane for carpool sometimes on those intersections going onto the motorways the one with non-carpool has to stop at the lights first and the carpool can go straight through. I was in the carpool lane with my wife and going through and the police were on the motorway with a camera and stuff. And they started detouring me, pulling me over because I went through whilst on the non-carpool lane, it was a red light thinking that I went through the red light and all this palaver. And they're like, we got you on camera. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I went through because I was in the carpool lane. The difference is every single intersection is completely different. So one like junction 14 could be both have to stop at the red light. Junction 15 could be carpool lane can go straight through and whatever. And that was the situation. I went straight through, they pulled me over. And six months later they went, yeah, six months later they went, oh yeah, we were wrong. Sorry. Like, thanks. Could have could have had my visa revoked there. Come on. I just wanted to uh, give a, give an update on Dapper Laughs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so looking at Wikipedia, in uh, September 2014, he was uh, or November 2014, he was heavily criticised, um, and soon after, accusations were made that his show was degrading to women, to women. Sorry. Woman. And he joked uh, on whilst on a gig. <laughs> yeah. He joked whilst on a gig that a female audience member was gagging for a rape. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, that'll yeah. do it. There we go. Yeah, yeah. that'll do it. There you go. Um, <laughs> so that was in for- uh, and that was in 2014. He, all his gigs and tours were cancelled after that. And then, obviously, he, in 2018, he went on Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> of course. They of course. Needed, they needed contestants from somewhere. <laughs> wow. Natural career progression, that is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah completely. That's saying something celebrity. about Celebrity Big Brother, isn't it? That you would even go to the depths of getting someone that said that in public. Jeez. Yeah. So, so he's not around anymore. No, Dapper no. Last has been uh, uh, retired indefinitely. He's left the building. Well, quite, quite rightly so. I mean, there, there is, I, I have this um, generalized theory that I think the more that, I, I just find comedy not very funny anymore because everyone globally gets offended by too much or too, you know, the, you can only say a little bit and then people will get offended. But obviously there is a line that has to be yeah. drawn and that, again, it comes to common sense. It's like, where is the common sense? You know, you watch old Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle um, shows or skits on Netflix, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should be laughing at this because this yeah. isn't really acceptable anymore. 
Um, and then you kind of question, was it ever acceptable in the first place? And then you look at new comedy and I just don't find it funny. And I think it's because we as humans have been so desensitized to these issues and matters that when someone says something extremely vulgar or bad, we all kind of take a step back and we go, oh, we shouldn't be laughing at any of this stuff anymore. Um, yeah, I think it's like a society issue right now. I, Ger I think Jerome and Steve over there when we went to see Jimmy Carr over at Woking. At the yeah, yeah, with, with the bloke who stood up in the uh, in the stalls. That one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I also went to went to see Jimmy Carr there. I, remember. I think it was a couple of weeks after you, or or, or the yeah. day after, or something. It was quite some gig. Um, yeah. To a point where 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 Jax was like, she walked out and think and thought to herself, I do not ever want to watch any of his shows ever again. Yeah, I think we went back like three or four years on the trot, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, is I I see you know uh, a comedian like Jimmy Carr is, I mean, he tells jokes that are right on the edge of yeah. being, but you go to knowing what he's going to say and the type of person he is. Um, you know, I think he opened, I mean, he's got quite a big um, Asian community there. And I think that was one of his first comments at the start of the show was, oh, this should be fun then. And you're just like, oh, wow. But, you know, the people going there take it in the way that those jokes are meant, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. a part of the flavour of the show. And I think <laughs> it's quite clear they're probably not his personal views. It's... Whereas the comment that, or the thing that Dapper Laughs has done is it's so singled out about a specific person, and you know, and that subject is pretty, you know, you don't make jokes about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's, it is a tricky one. So I mean- yeah. and I, think, I think what you just mentioned really is, is what it is. It, it kind of hits it on the nose is the fact that you know, or you can tell that Jimmy Carr when he goes out and he performs, that is a performance. It isn't him. But I think the more and more people live their lives online and that's how they get their information and communication, um, it's hard to see the line between what is real and what is their persona. So if someone is on Twitter or Instagram or whatever and they're, you know, their persona is the same as their performances, then you buy into the fact that that is actually them and there is no differentiation so then you if someone says something which is you know on the nose in a show you'll pass it off in the moment as being on the show but if you start tweeting the same things and the same views over and over again then it becomes a part of you and you know no wonder well sometimes it is them and they're just masking over their views in terms of a performance and then you come into a whole issue of of your own it's it's, it's a tricky it's a tricky line. Death Death to Twenty Twenty Netflix. That's a good one. We talk about um, you know we're kind of um, neutralized by things, but that's quite good. Um, it's quite funny. Uh, uh, they they I've been tongue in cheek like they they it's all about Twenty Twenty in America, and obviously uh, the George Floyd thing is a bit tongue in cheek for Netflix. I think to be honest with you. Um, but it's a good one to watch. You should definitely watch it, guys. It's it's uh, funny about Trump, obviously, about everything happened over the year. Um, 
but it's less uh, less watered down to say the the the, the new the, the the new comedies out there. You know, they uh, I don't know how Netflix really got it through to be honest, but I guess it's, well, it's, their, it's their streaming. It's, they do what they want, right? It's um, uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember his name. British guy, Charlie Brooker. Um, yeah, Black Black Mirror guy, isn't it? Yeah. And Annabelle, can't remember her surname, but you know, we both did Black Mirror, and obviously they have such an incredible relationship with Netflix now that they probably said because didn't Charlie Brooker used to do these kind of year reviews on Channel Four anyway, some years ago, but not to this kind of high budget level because they have like A listers in in this one. Yeah, they have like Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow, people like that in it, don't they? So. But a lot, a lot of the American stuff is actually, we watched it uh, getting a COVID test uh, the other day, uh, a drive-through because you know it took two hours to do. So we we're like, let's just watch the Netflix whilst we're uh, waiting in line. And a lot of the American stuff is so on the nose. It's so true. Um, the Lisa Kudrow bit, just I think it's the fact that people try and uh, plead ignorance when this she's good um, on Kudrow's on this death by 20 she's good on it yeah that's what I mean it's like it's but it's so true her character is and yeah. and also the other girl um, that was in How I Met Your Mother as the typical uh, mi- mi- uh, cr- uh, cr- uh, Kristen Milotti or whatever her name is yeah um <laughs> Yeah, again, she she was brilliant in it. Um, but I like that kind of humor. I like the the Charlie Brooker type of satirical look. Um, but yeah, at the end of that, they kind of make predictions for next year. And again, it's just very funny because he's always very good at um, predicting the future, especially with uh, wasn't it the first episode of Black Mirror when he predicted well the the episode was something with a pig and then they found out that boris johnson actually did that yeah. <laughs> uh, luke how are you doing for time uh i got a couple more minutes i've got a uh, zoom in at 2 30 so i've got uh, who, who, who are you zooming who are you zooming michael jackson it's so um, that would be a surprise wouldn't it yeah he's dead just, just to put out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to burst a bubble again. <laughs> uh, hold on, you telling me that that Michael Jackson is no longer around? Yeah, no, yeah I'm sorry. he is. He just wanted to hide. Whose job is it to edit all of this? Ed. Oh, <laughs> this has got to be so far one of the cleanest episodes we've done, and we've been going yeah. an hour and a half now. So I've got to try and shorten it down at some point. So I normally rely on the mayor to get drunk and say something inappropriate or. Well, right. I only have to drink half an hour. Uh, what happens? Yeah, I've on the coffee and the, and the satsumas before, and then I got on the whiskey, and life's good. Graham has a question for you. Yeah. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. You don't want for Ed to beep out. It's fine. This has been very fun, and I wish that you know, would drink whiskey when he was facetiming me. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do that next week. Ask about it. He has this persona now of like the holier than thou. You know, he's a father of two children. He's like, oh, I don't drink anymore. Yeah, it's all, it's all bullshit. 
you just see them like drunk on the teeth on the Stay, stay at home dad and all this sort of thing and you know i'm up at seven in the morning with rosa and i'm out you know life's so hard day five day five of potty training and it's going well she hasn't yet pooped on the floor that's all i can say about my stay yes. at home career on that note <laughs> it's a pleasure. i think we'll uh, we'll call it a wrap um really appreciate your time luke yeah, thank, you yeah, very much. thank you, Luke. Thank Cheers, you Luke. Cheers, Luke. Speak to Find me. Don't forget me. I won't. I love you. Please forget him. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, forget him. 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 Cheers, if there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss over the coming weeks, then please feel free to get in contact. You can reach us at the five guys podcast at gmail.com. Five is number five. Or alternatively, you can reach out to us on Instagram, again, at the five guys podcast. From all of us, we hope you have a great day. Bye.